0: Hello, and welcome back to this podcast series, where we try to look at pharmacy things and give a little bit of insight within the constraints of an 8-minute-ish podcast. This time, we're back into critical appraisal, and back into COVID, looking at the evidence for Evusheld, the monoclonal antibody combination product licensed for prophylactic treatment for people who don't get adequate protection from the multitude of vaccines we're now swimming in. So get yourself into a 2020-ish mindset and get ready for spike proteins, vaccine escape, overpromised treatments and advisory groups with cool acronyms like SPYM and SAGE. If you really want to go the whole hog, why not pause this podcast, go out and panic buy some toilet rolls and pasta and then restart it whilst trying to teach a disinterested child about fronted adverbials ready for their Zoom lesson in 10 minutes. Or not, you do you. So however you've got ready, are you ready? Then let's begin. So first off, what is Evusheld, and what is it supposed to do? So Evusheld is a combination of two monoclonal antibodies, Tixagevimab and Silgavimab. The idea is that these antibodies bind to the spike protein of the SARS-CoV-2 virus, stopping it binding to receptors and getting taken up into cells. For those with a memory, this sounds a lot like Ronapreve, the old combination of two monoclonal antibodies, Casavirimab and Indevimab it was used after people had got a confirmed infection to try and minimise the severity of the ensuing Covid-19 disease. So how's this one different? Well, Tixagevimab and Silgavimab bind to different bits of the spike protein. So whilst the virus has adapted and mutated to avoid most of the action of Ronaprev now, it's hoped that Evusheld will still work against the current strains of SARS-CoV-2 that are around now. The other thing is that Ronaprev was given after infection, Evusheld is given before It's marketed as a potential alternative to vaccines for people for whom the vaccines are less likely to work, i.e. the immunocompromised whose immune systems aren't able to be primed by the vaccines. It's a prophylactic agent rather than a post-exposure treatment. Which begs the question, how? How can it be a prophylactic agent? Monoclonal antibodies tend to be broken down relatively quickly in the body, and once they're broken down, they obviously can't work. Vaccines work by priming the whole immune system to be able to make more antibodies on demand. But giving an end-product Mab doesn't do this. So how does Evusheld, given as a one-off dose, keep protecting against SARS-CoV-2? Well, apparently the Mabs in Evusheld have been modified to make them less likely to be broken down. How? Well, this was going to be the interesting science bit of the podcast, but apparently they're modified using a proprietary method that's secret to AstraZeneca. It's not that I'd have to kill you if I told you but AstraZeneca certainly would, well, might. It's just not worth the risk. So instead of focusing on the cool science, we're going to have to find something else interesting to talk about, which is fine, as we have a whole mountain of critical appraisal to look at instead. Lucky us. So what do we have to look at? Well, NICE is due in spring 2023, so we don't have that to look at just yet, but we do have a recent review by the excitingly named Rapid c 19 group, which was a multi-agency group set up with the purpose of getting medicines for COVID to NHS patients quickly and safely. They've reviewed the evidence for us, which is nice, because the first rule of critical appraisal is to see if someone you trust has already done the hard work for you. And we should trust Rapid c 19 They've got the resource to do things well, better than we could, and they've got a cool gang name too. So what do they say, and should we be using Evusheld for the immunocompromised? But this is getting a little ahead of ourselves. Using a systematic method to think about critical appraisal helps to stop us getting lost in the evidence and distracted by the twiddly things. So let's do it systematically and go back and ask the three questions of the pharmacy microteachers' critical appraisal method, patent pending. First, are we interested in reading the document in the first place? The PICO question. Second, can it actually tell us what it claims to? So what's the quality of the evidence? And third, what does it then actually say? So to do the first one first, at first sight it does look quite interesting for us. They were looking specifically at people with immunosuppression, so the population bit of our PICO question of are we interested in this document is a yes. The intervention bit is also a yes. The control is okay too, and the outcome, catching COVID, is exactly what we're interested in. So it looks good. Yes, we're interested in the document and should look a bit further and move on to can this paper tell us what it's claiming to tell us, and what is it telling us? The other two questions in the process. So we'll gloss over the second question in the interests of time and trust Rapid C 19 when they say that the studies are okay. And we'll move on to what is it telling us? And this is relatively complicated to unpick. This question is all about summary statistics. And our favourite summary statistic is the absolute risk reduction. If you gave this to 100 people, how many would benefit? We like this one, as it usually summarises the information enough for it to be useful, whilst not making it so summarised so as to lose meaning for the man on the Clapham omnibus. It's in the Goldilocks zone of summary statistics. However, on this occasion, it's slightly less useful, and this is because the background rate changes. If something halves your risk of catching Covid, and your baseline risk is you're definitely going to get it, the absolute risk reduction is 50%. However, if your baseline risk is only 2% of people catch it, and it's just as effective, the absolute risk reduction is only 1%. Absolute risk reductions are really good for conditions that are relatively uniform. How many patients are likely to have a heart attack in the next five years? How many people will get a hip fracture? But less useful for things with variable baseline risks over time. Like for example, what's the risk of catching COVID? So we're into the dreaded world of odds ratios, hazard ratios, and relative risk reductions. But don't panic. We might not like these measures, but we can work with them. So for the first two, we might not know what an odds or a hazard is, but we know what a ratio is. And we know that if a ratio is 1, then there's no difference between the two things you're ratioising. And for these, the odds ratios and hazard ratios for the things we're interested in are numbers like 0.31, 0.5, and the like. So we can see at a glance that there is a difference, because they aren't near one. We might not be able at a glance to say what the magnitude of the benefit is, but we can see that there is some benefit in the studies, which is probably enough for now. So given we're seeing this benefit, should we be using Evusheld? Well, possibly not, and this is where the trial stuff bumps into the real world. The core problem is back to the fundamental problem with Covid, which is that Covid in 2022 isn't the same as Covid in 2020. Yes, Evusheld gives protection against the old versions of COVID, but it isn't clear that it still gives protection against the 2022 versions. Our patients in the PICO question match the trials, but it's not clear that the condition is the same. But given all this, we know it's fairly safe, and we used Molnupiravir when it wasn't clear if it worked or not. So why shouldn't we use Evusheld on the basis that it might work, so we may as well give it a go? Well, Evusheld is a bit different. And that difference harks back to the first thing we mentioned. It's a prophylactic agent. If Molnupiravir didn't work, which it didn't really, he didn't have anything else to try anyway, so all you've wasted is money. However, if you're giving something prophylactically that doesn't work, you run the risk of actually increasing the risk for the individual if they change their behaviours. Much like the idiot teenager who gets given a bike helmet, then goes to play chicken with the buses. Falsely telling someone that their risk of catching COVID is reduced might not be a neutral act, but might increase their risk if they start changing their behaviours and going out more and taking more risks. The decision is therefore finely balanced, and we really do need to wait for nice to see whether Evysheld continues to be a good thing or has gone the way of Ronapreve before it's even got into use. In the interim, what we can say is that Evyshell is some clever technology that potentially might be a useful option to boost immunity in those people whose immunity is difficult to boost, but that it might not do what we hope, and we don't want to rely on something that might not work, as this might actually increase risks rather than just doing nothing. So we do unfortunately need to wait for more evidence for this one. And that's it. Hope you found this useful, or interesting, or both, and see you next time.